everybody. It's time for the Five Heart Podcast. We're live on YouTube and other channels. And uh, I am joined tonight by Patrick Gerhardt, longtime guy that's been with me for a while. Uh, basketball writer mostly. Reads a lot of philosophy. So if you have questions about philosophy, please feel free to bring them in the chat because we'd nothing, like nothing better than to have a conversation about Kierkegaard or whatever that freaking guy's name is albert camus one of my favorite things of all time and especially if you've ever seen the movie the seventh seal by god he's your man <laughs> i think it was two seasons ago two football seasons ago you barred me from any existential philosopher quotes so i don't think that band's been lifted yet I, that's true it hasn't i just you know i think it 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 worked with the way that our football program was going, but after a while, it was like, "Oh God, I can't." I, you know, I can't take any quote, any more quotes from death. And if you've never seen the Seventh Seal, I describe the Seventh Seal for everybody. Will you please? The seventh Seal is Ingmar Bergman film. Uh, great Swedish <clears throat> director from nineteen, I think it was early fifties. I think early sixties, and it's basically about a medieval knight coming back from the Crusades. And the plague is going on and kind of how he deals with that along with his married crew that he meets along the way. And um, in the end, he kind of redeems himself. So, yeah, very good. Um, it, it's I think historically it's not looked upon as one of Ingmar's better films, but it serves purpose historically. And I think that's why it's still revered so well. So it's one of my favorites. How Okay, how are you going to segue from that? into our hopes and dreams being crushed by them frickin' Michigan State Spartans. Well, it was, it, was a, it was a mixture of, well, the first half was beautiful. you got to admit that. It was a great first half. I was very confident that we were going to just keep going because, Fred, you know, the second half of the season, the team did not struggle terribly in the second half. Uh, they just well, but unfortunately we were going up against a team, a Tom Izzo team, who is one of the best college football coach or basketball coaches of all time, let alone the Big Ten. Um, and he is a second half of the season type coach. Uh, and luckily for him, he recruits really well. He's got a ton of great players. And they just basically they got their heads out of their asses the second half. And Nebraska just decided to go dry for the most part. And it just, it was just, it, 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 it still hurts. That was a tough loss. And mainly because. We were ahead. We were ahead at 15 points at one time, and Michigan State just ripped it out. I mean, that's – guys, this is – I mean, for, for all you long-term basketball fans, it's been a while since we've had a team like this, but this is what, you know, hope and success feels like. <laughs> you know, okay. and, and that makes me happy. It's, it's we, we have a feeling again about Nebraska basketball. That was the one good thing I looked upon – uh, out of Tuesday's loss is that, you know, it, it wasn't just like this dull feeling like, well, this is kind of how we are this season. We kind of got our hearts ripped out in the second half. And to me, that's a good thing. Well, David McGee, uh, you know, he used to do photography for me. Uh, he said on Twitter, it was a gut punch. And I replied to him and said, no, it is not a gut punch. It's just basketball, and this is how we should feel because we actually feel something. And and then I came back later, and I said I thought about it for a while. I thought yeah, it really is a gut punch. It was, you know, I mean, they were riding so high, and it looked to me like they just 
they were being in a lot of those games they were being carried by energy and emotion more than athletic talent just sheer athletic talent especially against other big 10 teams and i think they just ran out of that it just mm-hmm. i think they i i i don't know sometimes when you play sports you just run up against stuff and you just go oh god you know i'm gonna get destroyed here i hope the rest of my teammates can mm-hmm. pick this shit up because the guy i'm playing is beating the fuck out of me and there's not really much i can do about it you know and yeah. I just think they all just kind of, not all of them, but, you know, they. I just, just seemed to me like they kind of resigned themselves. The offense really just couldn't do anything against Michigan State in the second half. And and then you got, you know, they got started getting a little desperate and jacking up early shots from Fremont. And I don't know. It, Unfortunately, in basketball, when you go dry, you go dry. And that's literally what happened in the second half, something that we've, become used to with Hoiberg teams, but it kind of went away this year, which is nice for once. And, you know, you brought back the bench. I mean, we've been riding our bench since early January with the injuries. So, I mean, after a while, it's kind of like, who's the guy behind you? Well, the guy behind me has been out on the floor two, three times already this half and hasn't changed his opinion. You know, I mean, honestly, that's kind of how it is. Any farther down, and I mean, Sam Hoiberg is a walk-on, and he's right above and beyond right now, you know? So you really can't ask for much more beyond that, unfortunately. So, but it was just it was tough, and the guys, you know, they got down. They were head by fifteen. Michigan State came back, and it it's almost as if Michigan State got into their heads. You know, I mean, Michigan State just really, I think, psychologically, just kind of stunned them. Unfortunately, um, did you see? Did you see somebody? Somebody posted a very short clip of one of the Michigan State players looking at Casey Tominaga and saying, "Shut the fuck up." Yeah, like very matter of fact, it was first. It was first half, and it was like halfway through. So like nothing. Like he said that nothing really changed. Nebraska was playing really well, and I. I want to know what Tominaga was saying to him. <laughs> if he was saying anything in English, I don't know. But I want to know what he was saying to piss the guy off that much. Because that was funny. <laughs> so we got Iowa. We still have Iowa on the road. Last game of the year. Yeah, what, what, what do we think of that? Actually, what do you I, think of that? Well, you know, we beat them already this year. It was kind of one of our key, mar- you know, it was kind of our key wins early on in the season other than Creighton. Um, it was a good win. I was playing a little bit better. I mean, they upset Michigan State last Saturday. What was it? They had, like, how many threes in the last, like, what, yeah. two seconds of the game? You know, I mean, it was just – it was an absurd win for a team that's known for defense and not known for offensive prowess whatsoever. So I think they kind of pulled that out of their ass, to be honest with you. But we are in Iowa City. We're, we're playing them there. It should be tough. Um, but we've beaten them once before, and I don't think the team has changed that much whatsoever. I, I, the Hawks will be favored, you know, as they should be. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Nebraska pulls off the upset. I mean, we've, it, we've had these same horses for the past month and a half. You know, they should be able to go into Iowa City and at least give them hell. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say our chances are good for an upset. Not saying it's going to happen, but it should be good. So Indiana goes into Purdue. And knocks off Purdue at Mackey Arena. And then Indiana comes home, and Iowa blasts, just blasted them at Assembly Hall. Mm-hmm. It, what, the Big Ten is just a nightmare apocalypse of beating each other to death this year. Well, and we're not the only ones. Like, I mean, you got 
you got one really good team in the, in the Big Ten who's vulnerable. You've got two really uh, – in Purdue, you got two really bad ones in Minnesota and Ohio State. And then you've got a bloodbath in between. And I was looking at the, the Pac-12 standings. It's kind of similar. You've got UCLA up top, but even, they're vulnerable. And then you got a bunch of what-the-hecks in the middle. Uh, ACC, I was looking at the ACC standings the other day. Uh, Pitt is leading the ACC right now. They're like number 25th in the nation, and they just got beat by Notre Dame. Um, Big East, they're not going to have nearly as many teams in, in the tournament as they have historically. Uh, the only conference I'm confident on is the Big 12. You know, in terms of, like, you know, like they may not be top to bottom deep, like a lot of these conferences I just talked about, but the, top, the their top teams are still talented as heck. You know, I mean, Kansas, Kansas hasn't had a big man all year. Um, but they should make a decent run in the tournament still. You know, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, it's almost as if nobody wants to be number one in the NCAA this year. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that number one has bounced around so many times. So, I mean, it's it's not just the Big Ten. It's kind of everybody right now. You know, and, you know, I mean, outside of Duke, who's phenomenal at home this year, you know, their road record's not that great. UNC hasn't been that great. Kentucky, I don't know. They might be getting a new coach sometime because <laughs> Calipari's not making the people happy there right now. Um, wow. I'm, I'm jumping. I jumped the SEC. Um, yeah, wouldn't it be weird if Alabama won the national championship? I it'd be tragic. I think the I, honestly, like I think Ke- Kevin mentioned to me the other day, he's like some some team in the Big Twelve will beat the crap out of them in the, in the tournament. So I guess there's not much. I haven't watched really any. SEC basketball this year, so I really don't know. But it's it's not just the Big Ten; it's across basketball. Like it's just we, it's a what, weird, why? weird. Why is this? You know, I think you have. Well, first off, you've had a lot of coaching changes over the past few years. Villanova has a new coach, relatively. You know, like, I think two years ago they got a new one. Duke's got a new coach. Year before that, um, UNC had a new coach. Uh, you know, a lot of top schools have have recycled recently, and a lot of them are kind of historical schools for the most part right so I, I think that has a lot to do with it you also have the fact that you know the one and dones are pretty much normal the transfer portal you think it's bad in football it's been full speed ahead from ba- in basketball since right. day one i mean look i mean you got to remember even before the uh the transfer portal opened up tim miles was using transfers like crazy remember like you know yeah. non-stop so this has been going on for a while so you don't have a steady stream of guys who are there three four heck five years now you know that, that's another factor of it you know you, you don't have those players and excuse me unlike football where you have 11 guys on the field at a time and 85 or 84 however many scholarship players at once basketball you got 14 plus a handful of walk-ons so if you have a you know six or seven guys leave which a lot of these teams are anymore that can really mess up your team's dynamic I think that's what people don't understand is they kind of look at Nebraska and they go, well, he hasn't kept the team every year and year after year. They don't ever look at other teams because Mm -hmm. everybody else is doing the same thing. It's just a mass. I don't know. I was going to say something kind of leading and dirty, but I won't say that. Uh, (laughs) It's just a, 
you know, it's a smorgasbord. It's just like go to the country, old country buffet and pick your flavor with the guy that's going to be on your team this year. Boy, that's a horrible analogy, but it is. It's it's all over the place. It's not just Nebraska. It's not just Fred Hoiberg mm-hmm. having guys leave after mm-hmm. year. It's it's everybody is having mm-hmm. people leave and move around, and and it's very difficult to build a team. So, okay, just for one minute. Before I forget, I mean, think I want you, everybody there, you know, all the listeners, I want you to think about this Iowa-Nebraska basketball game. If Iowa loses to us, that will have mean, that will mean that Nebraska has beat them in football in our darkest moments since World War II. Okay. In the era of World War II, when we had nobody but four Fs playing for us, we beat them in football and kept them from winning the Big Ten West. And a happy nation congratulated us by not not having Iowa play in the Big Ten championship. And we beat them in basketball once. If we beat them again in basketball, we will have swept them in basketball, and it will hurt. Okay. Mm-hmm. It will hurt them. And any Iowa fan that would walk up to you and say shit to you, you could crush into the tank ground, just smash them. Because we are also in some of our darkest days in basketball. Maybe not this season. It looks like Fred Hoiberg has kind of gone, okay, I've tried, tried it my way the first three years. Now I'm going to try coaching and doing a different form or playing a different way in basketball. And it seems to be working this year. But that would be, I don't know. That would be, we'd need t-shirts or something. We would need t-shirts. We need t-shirts to just, you know, not just fuck Iowa t-shirts. Is you know, like, I'll come up with some. I was going to say, don't we have somebody who can make t-shirts for us? Yeah, some snappy phrase about stinky, smelly Iowa. Big Three and oh in, in, in the sports that matter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Something like that. That's, no, it's. Fun. It's Sunday. It is Sunday at one o'clock, right? Sunday, yeah, uh, yeah. I think one or one thirty. Yeah. Okay. Sunday there's a problem. The year before the Big Ten tournament. There's a problem with that because Nebraska baseball plays Ole Miss on Sunday at one thirty p.m. at the U.S. Bank Stadium in downtown Minneapolis, and I, I really want to go see a Nebraska baseball game this year, and. Uh, I, you know, I want to see him play one of these teams. I want to see him play either Vandy, which I'm not going to be able to do because I have to work tomorrow. Saturday they play Hawaii. I, I'd really rather watch him play Ole Miss on Sunday. So I don't know if anybody out there is going to uh, the, the – I was going to say the Metrodome. U.S. Bank Stadium on uh, Sunday to watch Nebraska baseball, please let me know. What but, Explain to me what's going on with Nebraska. I haven't been – because I'm following base basketball, what is – What's going on with Nebraska baseball right now? They got swept in their first uh, uh, series they had the year, and they came back and beat South Alabama. I have no idea how good they are. Um, what's what's going on with the team? Well, I think this is kind of common what for Nebraska baseball to do every season. They usually play some pretty good teams on their home courts or home fields, and you know when in the cold weather, you know that whole crap and. They usually play poorly, and then somebody says, fire the pitching coach, and then, uh, you know, we go on with our lives. Now, I think in the first series, I think, honestly, the San Diego coach and the way the team, 
<clears throat> mentally prepared themselves. I think that had a lot to do with it. I mean, I only listened to the games, and but it sounded like the San Diego coach was out of the dugout all the time and screwing with them and doing stuff. And and I think that they were that had a lot to do with their mentality. Gotcha. And then the bullpen for some reason just did not perform well. Shea Shannon has been. Uh, very reliable and he went into his spots in those games and just pitched horribly and then against south alabama he got in and he like his first few batters i mean they were terrible i mean it was like oh my god you know one of our solid guys is falling apart and then all of a sudden he pulled it out and started you know being shay shannon that we want him to be so i think the first series was more like we don't know what we're doing together as a team that's what i'm going with and then against South Alabama, who is supposed to be actually a decent team, uh, they beat the shit out of them. I mean, they scored a lot of runs, and they yeah. held. Oh, okay, so South Alabama is a good team. Okay. Yeah, I know <laughs> South Alabama shouldn't be a pushover. No, it's not okay. like we're playing. <laughs> I was going to say Rutgers, but Rutgers is good at baseball. Yeah, they, but, yeah, they're decent. Finally, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know. We'll see more what happens. I think, you know, when you look at them, they're going up against Vanderbilt Friday. I mean, Vanderbilt's one of the best teams in the nation mm-hmm. every year. Hawaii, probably just be able to, you should beat them up. And then Ole Miss, you know, they're SEC, the last year's champs. Mm-hmm. The fact that Minnesota got two of those teams to come to Minnesota and play at U.S. Bank Stadium uh, is is pretty phenomenal for Minnesota. Now I can tell you one thing about US Bank. During the pandemic, right? I was I Todd and I were there. I had literally like almost the entire stadium to myself as a photographer. I had like the entire end zone, I think, to myself for one of those games. And it was pretty kind of weird. But one time I took a shot, I think it was an Ohio State third baseman and he is he's trying to catch a fly ball and i took a shot of him and i'm looking through him at a long lens so i can see his whole face and everything real close and he is terrified when he's going up like this and i'm like i have never seen a guy that afraid to catch the ball and i didn't understand what was going on and then later i saw one of our i think it was a second baseman and he did the same thing he kind of went up and he couldn't he was like mm-hmm you know like this and and i didn't i finally realized i stood up in u.s bank stadium and turned around and looked to see what they were looking at and the sun coming off the clear roof in that stadium it's like being just being stabbed in the eyeball with Mm -hmm. just bright light and i realized none of these guys could see and then i went down and i was leaving and i was talking to one of the minnesota people and i said you know, I noticed that uh, Minnesota scheduled all their games in the late afternoon or evening, and they don't have any morning games. And he turned and he looked at me and he said, home field advantage, huh? <laughs> they knew what they were doing all along. So tomorrow, Nebraska and Vanderbilt have to play at 11 a.m. Uh, Nebraska's already pay- played in that stadium. So somebody will at least be able to tell them about. And of course, tomorrow it'll probably be overcast as it's, you know, March. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Vanderbilt's, it could be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> That'd be it's, fun, yeah. And it'd be nice if we could at least knock off Vandy. I think Vandy's a better team over Old Miss this year, right? I think. Yeah. I've been letting Aaron and Todd do most of the baseball stuff. 
Yeah. I just, My entire just, life right now is buried in 1890s newspapers. How's that going? You've been sending me articles, man. It's been fun to read some of the stuff you've been pulling up in those uh, the videos you've been making over, you know, like 1892 Nebraska football has been awesome. I mean, how's that been going for you? Like, what's like, what have you enjoyed about that? Like, why did you start doing that? You know, I, I decided to start doing it because, you know, we're going to bring Greg in. Greg is going to join us. And uh, we'll just start with this. Okay, well, Greg just joins himself. He doesn't wait oh. for me to bring him in. So he's just so, so. Hi, Greg. Okay, <laughs> ask me the question again, Patrick, and we'll start this segment. Well, you've been doing those videos. You've done two or three videos right now on the really old-school historic uh, Husker football and college football in general from the 1890s. Like, what, what brought that about, and what have you really kind of enjoyed about doing that whole series? Well, what honestly brought it about is I looked at this off season and I thought, number one, I need to get better at video editing. Number two, I don't want to spend, I don't want to try to sit on YouTube and make videos that are, let's be honest. I mean, it's an off season and what we're going to have is glory story. Matt rules the greatest guy in the world news. That's what you have to come up with, you know. Here, eat this, eat this Snickers bar, eat this Twinkies bar, reporting stuff, you know. And I just thought, I don't want to do that this off season. I, I can't. I get it. We're excited about Matt Rule. I'm excited about Matt Rule, but I also want to see how he coaches and how we play football. And that's not till the fall. The history stuff has always interested me. And I thought, you know, nobody's really. If you go out on YouTube and look, nobody has ever done really in-depth stuff about college football history. I mean, like, in-depth. Like, what did the flying wedge look like? What did the mass momentum plays look like? You know, what happened in the 1890s to college football that all the changes came about? And I just, I've, I've always, when I first started Coronation, I decided that I would read about college football history so that I would know what I was talking about when I started writing about sports. So I read gobs of books. And it, a part of this is going back and recovering my memory of those things. But it's also, you know, that that was like 17, 2006, I started coronation, right? Well, now you can sure. go out and there is so much stuff. There is so much available that you can research and you can do things that you couldn't have done back then that, you know, just like newspapers.com and, mm -hmm. and the archive sites that have come online. And you can look at newspapers across Nebraska throughout the, the history of Nebraska. And uh, for every hometown out there except mine, because our newspaper building burned down and all the papers burned up with it, which is really sad. But mm -hmm. <clears throat> because and it's, it is sad because there is a story there about Camp Curtis that never got done. And that's in Nebraska, my hometown of Curtis is what's called the NCTEA. NCTA, it is an extension of the University of Nebraska. It's an ag college. And Cal years college. ago, years ago in the in the like late 50s, I believe it was, uh, it was a it was like a call. It was a high school where everybody sent their kids. They came off the farm and they went to high school there all from all over the place. And they had dorms. And that was almost like a college high school. But, I mean, Bill Jennings brought Nebraska players out to Curtis, and he had what he called Camp Curtis, and it was similar to what Paul Bear Bryant did at Junction City. What was 
I can't remember the, you know, Bill or Paul Bear Bryant is famous for taking his players out and just beating the shit out of him to oh, see who would yeah, survive. Yeah, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, and and in the papers were stuff about uh, Camp Curtis, and I went down there to look. I mean, I grew up there. I mean, one of my best friend's moms used to own the newspaper. But I went out there to look, and I realized that I couldn't find anything. And then I went back later, and I realized uh, I had the dates wrong that I was looking at. And the people there that owned the paper then were, like, looking at me like I was some kind of communist. And I didn't even have long hair then, for God's sakes. And I wasn't known for, okay, I was known for swearing a lot and being kind of a – it was my hometown, for God's sakes. But um, – <clears throat> You know, I asked my mom, do you remember anything about Camp Curtis? And she said, oh, Bill Jennings was in the bar a lot. <laughs> that explains a lot, actually. Yeah. Let's say. So, so I mean, make, if you want to make comparisons between some coaches, I, there you go. Uh, okay. I talked enough. Uh, back to basketball. Let's finish the conversation about basketball. <laughs> Nothing changes in the Big Ten tournament if we beat Iowa or don't beat Iowa. We're still playing Minnesota, right? I think for the most part, yeah, unless something weird happened. Though I just saw Minnesota just beat Maryland. In basketball? Yeah. In men's basketball? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, so I, I don't think anything changes right now, no. Okay, so we played Minnesota. Hmm? and Let's just say we win. You have to be 500 to get into the NIT, right? Yeah, you have to be 500 to get in the NIT. Kevin and I were looking earlier this week. There's not a whole lot of prediction sites out there on the NIT. Um, I, you know, so, I mean, I, as of now, the couple I've seen have Nebraska, like, last four looking in, even in that area. So, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of people at coordination who – don't like my attitude on this over the past month, but Nebraska's really never had a chance in the NCAA this year, regardless of how well we're doing right now. It's just the numbers. This is simple math, folks. Like, there is no way we were getting in once we started our hot streak. It just was like so much outside of what Nebraska was doing had to come into play. So what does that leave us? That leaves us the NIT. NIT, we're going to have to make a nice run into the NC, into the Big Ten tournament um, to really, I think, get into the NIT. And then when it comes to, I think, CBI, CIT tournaments, I don't think many, if any, Power like power 5 conference teams really go to those. And on top of that, it costs money to play in those tournaments, which Nebraska has, but they're not going to spend the money to do that, I don't think. So... Hopefully we get at least semifinals. I mean, I mean quarterfinals, I should say, in in the Big Ten tournament. Maybe we might get in the NIT, just depending on how everything else falls. So I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough week. It's gonna be a long week next week if we keep winning. But I mean, I just, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. We're not we're not gonna make the NTA tournament, and we right. maybe might make the NIT. That's just it's just that's just how things are. Okay, long term, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to let Greg talk now because he butted in there. <laughs> long term, Fred Hoiberg returns next year? Oh, yeah, yeah. Even before this run, I was on the camp that Fred does come back because even within a lot of our losses, we had gone past the 10 wins and 
grand, grand scheme of things, there was progress this year. He gutted his staff last year. He got a new defensive philosophy, which way fits fits in a lot better in the Big Ten than the old one was. Um, we, we competed in a lot of these losses. We really did. Even with those losses early on to a lot of our players, we did well. Um, here's another thing you guys have to realize. Fred coaches a team that is the third most popular team in Lincoln. To get a coach that's better than him yeah. to come in, like I, 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 I don't mean to be defeatist on this at all, but it's you know fifty thousand foot view. He did enough this year. He beat beat Creighton, beat Iowa. Todd, I see you there. Um, you know he he beat a lot of decent teams. He beat a lot of teams that he should have beaten later on this season. He beat the Minnesotas. He had upsets against Maryland. You know, he beat Rutgers in in Piscataway, which, I, you know, nobody on here will probably agree with me, but most people believe, you know, Rutgers is a good basketball team, yeah, and they're tough. They are. Yeah. And that's not, Oops. in Big Ten on the road, is tough to do. Look at a majority of these teams in the Big Ten this year. Nobody's really doing well on the road. Very few teams are doing really well on the road. So, I mean, grand scheme of things, like, like unless next year stinks, he's here. Like he, I, I think that the last three weeks is guaranteed he's going to be here next year. Um, you know, after the season is over and we see kind of where everybody stands and who's still here, we can kind of do a, a, a rundown of kind of how next year's team's going to look. But like, okay, Derek, Derek Walker who, who, gone. Who's, who's Albert going to get? Derek Walker is gone. Uh, Sam Greasel is gone. Casey Tominaga may be gone. Maybe I don't know. What, what? Who's going to be our team? Well, two of them are injured on the bench. <laughs> or one of, one of them. One of them's gone. Right. Uh, Vandermill's gone. Yeah, Vandermill's gone. But, Which I mean, is really unfortunate. But there's a lot of young guys still on the, on the bench that we haven't really seen a whole lot from. Okay, and let me be very, very, very specific. Very specific. Who's going to replace Derek Walker? That's a, um, as of now, probably Wilhelm. And he's and he's got some work to do. Yeah, <laughs> that son of a bitch better be serial killing in the off season. I'll tell you that much right there. Yeah, I assume they're in the dance if they win the Big Ten tourney. Well, of course, but we got to win the Big Ten tourney. And there's a lot of bloodthirsty teams who are in the Big Ten that I would be shocked if we get to that that point. Um, what what about this bull kid? Was it John oh. Bull? Yeah, um, is he going to come? Is he? Are we going to get a seven foot two guy from Sudan? It'd be great if we did. Um, I mean, he's got some pretty good quarters coming, but I haven't seen any crystal balls on where he's if, if he's coming to Nebraska or not. So can't we throw freaking money at him like we are going to? You know, damn well we're going to throw money at Dylan Royola, and he's going to come to Nebraska. Can we do the same shit in basketball for God's sakes? Well, the 1891 initiative just came together and <clears throat> committed to basketball. So hopefully we can get some deals there, you know, more than just, you know, I love them, but, you know, more than just a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you yeah. ready, Greg? I'm ready for Greg to talk and he's not even paying attention. Hi, Greg. Hi, Patrick. How are you? I'm good. I've been dealing Gosh, with a cranky it's... old man all night. What have you been up to? I apologize that I had to uh, uh, force that upon you. 
No worries. No worries. Oh, great question. Can Nebraska ball? That's one word, not two. Hit the portal and try to get another walker. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Fred really goes hard in the portal this year. Again, it served him well last year. Uh, might as well do it again because, I mean, we really – I think we have maybe one guy committed to the class this year. So hit the portal. And here's the thing. We've got another month before we even worry about that. So, yeah, no, great point. Great point, Owen. Hit the portal. I, he's he's going to hit the portal. I think Owen is lobbying for a job. Just look at look at the phrase. Can Nebraska hit the portal and try to get another Walker? And his name is Owen Walker. Oh. I think Owen's saying, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I hope you're six foot four. <laughs> no, I did, John, didn't we discuss last week about the uh, restrictions on nil money to uh, like Casey Tominaga and, and other players who were not here on a, here on a visa yeah. right yeah yeah uh, basically if you come over you are basically out of the deal of, of earning anything however however if you go to husker hounds you know the uh the store the website you can build your own player jersey and tomanagas is on there Ooh. yeah i found that out today that was a kevin find um so i'm not 100 percent what that is anymore Unless they're just doing something and they don't know they're doing it incorrectly. You know, like they're breaking a rule, you know. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's – or, or well, you know, it, I haven't looked it up in a while. Maybe they fixed that rule. I don't know. Or – Oh, come on. Not, it's the federal or, or, government. Or they're just not paying. <laughs> I mean, realistically, they it's can the do government. it, right, and just not pay the this kid? NCA stuff. No, that, this is be it's federal bad. government in immigration visas. Oh, or okay. not immigration, but a visa. If you're here on a specific type of visa, you can't work or can't make Student revenue. Visa probably right. That's the federal government stuff. Oh, okay. they're, they're not yeah, going to change. Not <laughs> uh, hey. Unless you can circumvent that and send the money directly to something in the, the other country. You know, go around the player and send the money elsewhere. Dude, I'm in finance. This is what I think about. I hear you. Same. Uh, we have a, a running, I, I guess, segment uh, more or less on the show about what's Greg drinking this week. And Fred wants to know that. And he also says blink twice if I'm being held against my... I actually arranged uh, Patrick to be here tonight because I didn't get home from work until about you know, right before I jumped on, honestly. So I didn't give myself an opportunity to grab a beverage uh this week fred so apologies uh and then uh, fred says authorities are on the way um i don't have anything in front of me but what i do have in the fridge is uh, killian's irish red so i don't think i've had that since college like 20 years ago it hasn't been that long has it patrick i graduated 04 Mm. (laughs) yeah i guess we are about the same age aren't we (laughs) <laughs> you can go get a beer, Greg, if you want. Yeah, go grab one. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do this sober and see if I survive. <sighs> well, I don't really do it sober per se. You know, my brain's all awash and gush. It's just constantly mushy. John, how long's it been since you had a uh, used to drink on this show? Did I? How long's it been since you? Yeah. 
I mean, not live version in front of everybody, but the recordings. You'd you'd have uh, sixty-three I mean, beers apiece. Yeah. <laughs> It, it uh, April two two thousand twenty. I will be alcohol free for three years. Congrats! Yeah, you're a better man than me. Well, I also take a monthly injection for my brain injury, and I have no desire to find out what that how that would interact with alcohol. Mm. Really, none. <laughs> uh, okay. What anything else? Uh, did, did I miss anything outside of the basketball conversation? Uh, we talked baseball. For- okay. Yeah. Hey, they Beyond didn't board. suck. Yeah. Did you? Did I? I'm going to show this graphic because I told I, I told Patrick before the show started that I wanted to open it up a little bit more. Okay. And I'm going to show this graphic to people. Wait, time out before but- we do that, John. Yes. Because I know there were some technical difficulties on Monday Night Therapy, uh-huh. uh, which which that conversation was supposed to largely center around wrestling. Did you guys a- at all discuss the big announcement that was speculated right here last week on Five Heart about uh, Volleyball Memorial Stadium? Did you guys get around talking about that on Monday? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yes, we did. Okay. okay. All right. Moving on. Okay. Show you you ready? You ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. O.J. Well. Simpson says Alex Murdaugh Murda will li- beat murder rap despite likely killing his wife. That's O.J. Simpson as in that O.J. Simpson. Yes, I put this up here because I thought, is it too soon? No. I think the too soon thing is dead. Okay. Wasn't that 1994? <laughs> I just... You know what? You know what? My immediate thought of this was: number one, Alex Murdaugh was found guilty of murdering like his wife ago. and son. If you find, if you you're following this case at all, but my my other thought about this was: when is it going to be time that we allow O.J. Simpson to come back to a broadcast booth for college football? XFL. <laughs> no, no, no! Don't you how don't you even think about tarnishing the glory that is the XFL? With OJ Simpson, put him in the USFL. All right, my Battle Hawks are two and zero, and we haven't even played a home game yet. That was a real headline today in the New York Post. I literally, you're like, but wow. (laughs) But but also write a book. However, years back about like I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have done it, or you know something like that. I don't think they published it. Yeah. Well, that's I probably think, for the I best. I think it was ready to go, and the publisher backed out, I think. Yes. Is that oh, right? Okay. Okay, Greg, the other graphic that we d- did not show yet was one you provided. Can, can, I, can, I, can I push the magic button? Yeah, you can. All right. So I came across this on Facebook. I think this was actually shared through ESPN or, or one of the, the – this was not something that the institution itself put out. They're getting the word out there. All right, let's let's go. Let's go to the to the image. Record-breaking attendance. Colorado has shattered the attendance record for a spring football game and has sold thirty thousand and thirteen tickets for the April twenty second exhibition. Now is now is, this is this is the prime uh, effect, but yeah. I think th- what what stands out 
more than anything is they're selling or, or they're setting a record with 30,000 tickets. If you had to speculate how many what what's Nebraska's spring game attendance record? It it's 80,000 or 70,000, isn't it? I think it's 80 I mean, something. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the full so, stadium, but it's closed. <laughs> Whatever it will be, April 22nd, 2023, that damn sure it's going to be the record. That's what's it going to be. <laughs> 115,000, you know, stuff. People are going to stuff other people in their pants <laughs> for this spring game. <laughs> We're going to have three children in one overcoat walking, wobbling their way in like a cartoon. <laughs> You're welcome. Standing room only hanging from the rafters at Memorial. Do you think now, now this is this is a sincere question. Do you think that this year's spring game is going to outdo them all? I mean outdo all all past Nebraska spring games as far as attendance? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean the, last year's spring game, I went sat with Todd. It's first time I sat in the stands in a very long time. Uh I, you could just feel everybody the disappointment of people all around you. They still had hope, for God's sakes. I don't know why, but they just no tackling and the biggest cheers were for the punter. I mean, but what about Scott been, it was first year. What's that? What about Scott Frost's first year? The prodigal son returns. I don't for I don't even it didn't happen. It didn't I'm happen. I'm just saying, like, like you know, didn't like, happen in was, my brain. That was gigantic when he came back. That was, it was, you know. But people didn't stuff other people in their pants to get them into the stadium for that one. And I'm calling it right now. People would literally be stuffing other people into, like, large bodysuits and acting like they're a single person when they're really four or five. So I, I just pulled up, you know, I said Nebraska football spring game attendance. I just threw that in, in Google. And 1011now.com says uh, – the last year's the 2022 uh, game attracted more than 53,000 fans. So we can assume anywhere between 53,000 and 53,999, because at that point they say 54,000. Um, <laughs> no attendance restrictions for the first time since 2019. So, you know, 2019. I, I can't remember now. I, Matt, I'm bad at, at memory. Um, 19 would have been. Frost first, correct? Yeah. So with with uh, two of his seasons coming under attendance restrictions because of the pandemic, nineteen would have been the no. You know the the was it eighteen? Eighteen. I think. I guess we get five years, right? I think his third year was the pandemic. Yeah, because twenty one was his fourth year. All right. So here. Oh, this is perfect. Um. No game in 2020 because of COVID. Right. 2019 had 85,946. 2018, which was Frost's first season, had 86,818. 2017 uh, had 78,312. Um, I mean, I could go. My God, we love our football. <laughs> don't. Isn't that isn't that a little ridiculous? So, do you honestly think and this is since? Do you think that we're going to have 87,000 people? In the stadium this year on April twenty second. Yes, if it'll fit that many. If it'll fit that many, uh, somebody said 
Fred Sacco, that guy, he said, isn't work being done on the stadium that will hamper attendance? I, I don't potential think so. for huge. I don't think so either. But again, there's the stuffing of people in your pants and tearing them into the stadium. You just you know, can't I hope get your head out of your pants tonight, can you, John? Well, we also have uh, the the regulars. the The Five Heart Crew uh, knows that Fred uh, has a lot of. I don't know if disdain, maybe appreciation for a good pun. So he says a former HC stuffed some things in his pants in the last five years. Hey, oh. Okay, maybe maybe they just get rid of the clear bag policy for one freaking spring game and you can bring duffel bags full of, you know, whatever. Midgets? <laughs> Children. I'm I don't. Uh, yes. Uh, it, full disclosure, I'm allowed to say that because there is a town not 10 miles from my house uh freeburg freeburg illinois and their high school mascot there the free midgets that's a true story so the town's named after a leonard skinnard song <laughs> no, no free bird <laughs> not free bird free berg berg oh okay all right all right i'm sure they yeah. sang it that way a few times Freeburg, yeah. <laughs> and they're guaranteed. And this burg will never change. You know, one of my one of my friends in uh, in college. This is a college story. Was a hockey player, and he had a duffel bag that would fit a sixteen gallon keg in it. So we were able to carry sixteen gallon kegs right past security, right up to our rooms. And what we would do is in SRAM, SRAM 6 is where I lived, is, you know, where the desks are against the wall, there was a panel, you could pull it out, and there, it was open to the next room. And if they pulled their panel out, you could literally move that keg back and forth between rooms. So if somebody came and knocked on the door and said, we heard you had a keg in here, you would quickly shove the keg into the next room, push the panel up, and nobody was the wiser. And when my kid... That's brilliant. One of my kids went... And, and visited SRAM, and they took us through SRAM and showed us how good the dining was now. But they took us through there, and I was like, you know, them panels open up. And he looks at me, and he goes, you're not supposed to tell them this part. <laughs> I'm like, do they still open that up? And he goes, yeah, don't, you know, this is not part of the tour. Find nothing the they didn't like, already really? know. Uh, so Joel had an interesting question. I think we've we've touched on this a little bit, but will Memorial Stadium be replaced with a modern NFL style stadium? Yes. Oh. Yes and no. Okay, I'm curious because I say no, but I'm. I'm... All right, John, I mean, you first. The way they answer this question is by asking yourself: Was the six million dollar man still himself after they replaced all the parts? Yes, he was. If you get a knee replacement or a hip replacement or a shoulder replacement, are you still the same human being? Yes, you are, but you just have upgraded components. And if you do enough of that stuff, you too will be a modern NFL stadium, NFL-style so, stadium. Is, is it kind of like the ship of Theseus? The ship of feces? Not feces, Theseus. It's a theory. It, 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 it's the idea that it, you have this ship, and over time you replace its parts as things go along. Is the ship still the original ship it started out with, even though 
everything about it is different. <laughs> I think right. it's whether or not it's cursed. Are you saying Memorial Stadium is cursed, John? Well, it is, but it's okay. The volleyball thing will take care of the curse. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Unless they lose. So we don't have to sacrifice Solich at the 50-yard line? No, we don't have to sacrifice Frank Solich. Okay. I mean, we could say, not Frank. I mean, Frank, you know, he's, come on. He's just an old guy like me. Let him just, you know, kind of live out the rest of his life. We could sacrifice some other son of a bitch who comes to mind. Bo Pelini. Um, oh, he's harmless and he never comes around anymore. Patrick, you said yes and no. Yes and no. Um, NFL style, I doubt it. If Nebraska does go the route of, because I mean, administrators have said for a while now that like expansion is done. Like structurally, it cannot take any more expansion. Can they use some upgrades? Yeah, but there's and John and I've talked about this before. There's only so much retrofitting you can do to a place, you know, before it's kind of like, is this worth it? Is it financially worth it? Are there better things we could do? What I could see happening is I could see Nebraska maybe not doing a total teardown. Like, you can leave parts of the stadium, like, you know, the pillars with the sayings and stuff like that. But basically tearing the guts out and replacing it, but something more along the lines of, I want to say, it, it, it. first of all, it'd be smaller, let's be honest. If anything they build, it's not going to be 89,000 or 86. It's going to be something smaller. Demographics across all of college football are just pointing towards that. People are not going to games like they used to. I mean, even Alabama's having an issue. You know, they sell out, but in terms of attendance, you can tell that, you know, they don't always show up. So I think it would be smaller. Um it would probably be a lot more form-fitting, like uh, Oregon Stadium, is it Autzen? Um, I would like to see something a little bit tighter, a little bit steeper, um, something that can keep the noise in a little bit more, kind of the anti-big house, if you will. Um, that's just a personal preference. But I could see Nebraska, you know, if they have to, just tearing it down just based off of logistics. And putting something in there, I don't see it being an NFL. I can see it being more college-esque just because that's what people want and what is expected. But where where it sits right now, I mean, there, there's they're running out of things they can do with. So sure. I mean, 20 years from now, and again, it's not going to be five years from now, but 15, 20 years, who knows what's going to happen. And I know Trev <laughs> talked about they continue, like they're talking more now about upgrades to the stadium. You know, so there are variables involved. I think that, you know, why wouldn't you even discuss tearing it down and rebuilding it? So a couple follow-ups. It, you know, for the state, realistically, it's hallowed ground. You know, um, you never, like they would never, Ann Arbor would never discuss tearing down the big house. You can't, it's a hole in the ground. Well, you know, the you know what I mean? Like they would never play Michigan football anywhere else. No. If 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 you build something, where would you put it? To be outside of downtown? Well, you just tear down the stadium where it is, and you could start rebuild from there. You leave like the pillars or something, you know, you, and kind of go from there. So as as a guy who watched a baseball stadium be torn down and another one erected in St. Louis like half a block over it's i don't know if there's enough time to get it done 
Well, I mean, the Vikings had a place to play at TCF at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they played at the Gopher Stadium while their U.S. Bank was being built. Mm-hmm. I think you'd take two, three years to build a stadium in Nebraska, and where would they play in the meantime? Yeah. I mean, that's that's you know. Maybe they'll be maybe the chat GPT. If you ask it, how can we quickly build a a portable stadium, a giant dome stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska? Chat GPT will come up to it that because artificial intelligence can do anything. Well, I mean, here and here's another thing, and this is, I mean, technically UNL's campus is a bit of a city campus, you know. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's not. Yeah, I don't know. You do have land out near the airport, hypothetically, um, but you don't want you don't want to turn into, let's say, a Miami where your stadium is too far away from the campus. Right. Um, you also have land around the rail yard you might be able to use. You know, which wouldn't be ter- too terribly far away. And what you could do is you with with the excess land you could make a stadium that's more conducive to pregame activities, tailgating, and whatnot, whereas right now, everybody's kind of scattered. Um, like, you know, when I go to – not so much anymore, but, like, when I was younger, it was kind of like, okay, what side of the stadium am I going to be tailgating in? Because I'm not going to the other side, you know, like, like east or west. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to take me 30 minutes to get to another tailgate sometimes. It's right. You know, it's, and the flow is definitely not there. It's one or the other. So, you know, maybe moving out would just in, you know, upgrade the entire game day experience as a whole. And again, you don't also don't want to take it too far away from downtown because you're taking away from the businesses downtown. Right. You know, more tailgating is not going to take away from it so much, but just the activity within itself, right. you take that right. too far away, you're going to have issues, you know, <laughs> yeah. A lot of good comments here. I want to touch on them. Todd says, as a taxpayer in Lincoln, I would like a tax refund while the Huskers play at Seacrest, Seacrest, Seacrest Field. Seacrest. Seacrest. Uh, like Ryan. Yeah. I, um, you know, they could build a big floating platform like that thing Rihanna was on. That seems unnecessary. <laughs> uh, Fred says, we will never have a retractable roof that that conversation was in the chats. They'll do the best they can to make the existing place work and honor the tradition as long as it's structurally sound. I don't disagree. I feel like when they can't do any more renovations, uh, and I, look, at least according to ownership, that's why the Rams are no longer in St. Louis because they wanted a shiny new stadium and the, the county and the city okay, you know, we'll, we'll put the funds together and then Stan's like, nah, that's not good enough. You know, so he didn't like the proposal or whatever. He's a he's a douche. Uh, but anyway, that, that's that's moving on. Uh, and now we have the Battle Hawks. Kaka is the law. We're 2-0. Oh, moving on. Um, I think it's I also, got- it's also, I also would recommend comparing NFL to college because most NFL stadiums, it is through the city where who funds and builds those stadiums where most college stadiums are built by the athletic departments themselves, you know. Which is Joel's question right here. Would yeah. the Nebraska taxpayers be paying for a new stadium? You know what? I, I mean, this I'll, is, I, 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 I got to say, I would, Pat, I'll go Patrick, ahead and, I, I just want to say, stop it, John, for a minute. <laughs> I I asked the question, and Patrick's over there just shaking his head. That works for the video, folks, but this is also a podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a podcast, too. Yeah. No, I don't see it happening. 
Uh, one, Nebraska has the money uh, privately uh, uh, in the coffers and the Big Ten money on top of that. Uh, you know, it's – the money's – if we really hit the point to where they want to spend multi-millions of dollars for a brand-new stadium, I think – they can't get the state of Nebraska to pay for that. That's just, right. I mean, that, there's just no way that, like, even the most you diehard Husker fan in Harris, I, Harrison, Nebraska would be like, no, I'm not sending my money eight hours for that. I could just, uh, you know, next week call Joe Ricketts and we'll see what we can do. What about Pete Ricketts? He's eh, busy. He's, he's in Washington. Yeah, he's, he's go to the top. <laughs> and then, it says, did, did, Maybe it's different because maybe the Huskers lease PBA, but yeah, the taxpayers. City of okay. Lincoln owns that. Gotcha. Right. I mean, we, they, they could go that route, but I would be. I don't see that happening. Lots um, of monster truck rallies and tractor pulls. And then Fred said, uh, "Fred's a former Bears fan. Uh, uh, I guess maybe <laughs> reformed, perhaps reformed or." Uh, 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 it says Soldier Field is still there, even though it's morphed from a uh, spaceship to a diaphragm, and it's ancient. Well, it sounds like aren't they aren't they on the path to build an entirely brand new stadium and like concourse, like every, like whole experience? Aren't they? I think they're moving outside of, of Chicago to do it too. Well, you kind of have to. Where where are you going to do it? You know. I I don't know. Tell you what, you want you want to make a spectacle. Put it right uh right off the shore in Lake Michigan. Yeah, a floating stadium. Make it happen, Captain. I like that idea. You know, I, all I have, John, are good ideas, but nobody ever floating, sees it. Floating in the air, not in the. No, sea. no, floating on the water. Floating in the air. You John, just, really stop. Like you could just December. lower it. You could just lower it and let everybody get on, and then just go back up. And what is your <clears throat> just obsession with wanting to be like Rihanna tonight? I was thinking more of that uh, Sky City thing in Bespin Station or whatever it was in Star Wars. Oh, Cloud City. Yeah, Cloud City. Okay. Kind of thing. You know? That's fine. Uh, you know what? Okay, I don't that think works. The technology there. Yeah. What do you know, Patrick? You were confused. I know, yeah, an speaking of technology, I, I can tell you what hell is. What hell is is going into a stadium like Memorial Stadium and trying to wire that place for modern technology. Because I've had to do stuff like that in my past, and it is, you know, you look. I had a, I, I think it was like a college in Louisiana wanted us to figure out how we were going to wire buildings that were built in 1880 and 1870, and I looked at them and you said, "Well, you got a billion dollars because that's how much it's going to cost us to do this." And when you look at that kind of stuff, then you really start thinking, really do, how are we going to sell building a new stadium? And that's really, that's really what it comes down to is how would they sell to the state of Nebraska? We are going to build a new stadium and Memorial Stadium was great, but it's time for us to move on to other things. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and of course, they'd need you know me what? to do that because I am the greatest salesman ever. You know what really tickles? First of all, <laughs> Owen says you that... You sell Kabi yoga pants. You can sell anything. <laughs> oh. hell, hell of a salesman. Uh, Owen says, John, you shine bright like a diamond. Obviously a Rihanna reference. Uh, but I think what tickles me the most is that this whole stadium conversation started by poo-pooing on Colorado and their lofty 30,000 tickets sold. Yeah. Now... Is that really? Should we be making fun of that? Because I mean, it looks like Why? Dion is a force. 
He's a force to be reckoned Yeah, but with. let's okay, guys. Let's be honest. Does Colorado All really sizzle, know no what they're state. getting into with Dion? Nobody like, does. That's why this is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I mean, like Dion is a force within himself, and Colorado is a very. It's more academic. I mean, you, you remember back in the '90s, they, they used to say, you know, we're we're an academic institution with a football problem. Like they pride themselves on their academic side more than anything. It's why they don't have anything because they don't spend money on athletics. Um, Dion is all flash. He's all about promoting, which he does a phenomenal job with. But will Colorado let him? And I mean, if you guys have watched the news lately, he has said quite a few things on a fairly conservative level that really's ruffled a lot of feathers in the People's Republic of Boulder. You know, what has like, he said, Patrick? Uh, well, the one was, let's see, he wants a quarterback from a two-parent home, mother-father. That was one thing. But he wants a defensive lineman from a one-parent home. <laughs> you know, like, 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 you know, that comes from a mom, you know, like mom, uh, and that, that, that has to, you know, fight for things. You know, like, that's, he's, that's what he straight up said. Um, he's also, I, I also saw that he's getting a lot of heck for his, um, he's a fairly religious man, uh, uh, like his prayers, which I don't think people realize how much that still goes on in college sports. Right. right. <laughs> that's, that's normal, <laughs> but yeah. because it's bolder and because the, the lights are finally shining on them again in 20 some years, um, that's turning into a big deal, you know, like it, it's more than just primetime flash like we're going to get the you know five-star players we're going to put lamborghinis in front you know in front of these guys louis vuitton bags it's more than just that it's he has an ethos that is more akin to you know uh the midwest and south than it is uh the front range of colorado let me just put it like that if that makes sense hmm so well okay dion's interesting yeah <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll say this though his um one of his assistants is a guy i know personally and have talked with uh when i worked in radio in shadron and that's bill o'boyle who i believe is the defensive line coach uh for colorado now he was the head coach at uh, shadron state when danny woodhead was up there and in uh in his presser he was mentioning you know uh, He's like, if I had a Danny Woodhead, I'd, I'd take him today. Or, you know, uh, uh, he mentioned he mentioned a kid who was a Shadron High standout in football and basketball and track, played baseball. I'm going to give him a shout-out here. You know, he didn't listen. He mentioned Joe McClain, who I called on the video when I was up in Shadron. And, uh, and then he went on to have a lot of success at Shadron State as well. So, uh, you know... <laughs> I'm not going to ever root for Colorado, but I'll always root for uh, Bill O'Boyle. I don't know. If that was a side tangent. Sorry. That wasn't too bad. Thank you, John. Mm-hmm. Anything else that we have this week, guys? Well, do we did we we had uh, Patrick's thing about the yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Is it time to invest in crypto again? Don't stop. Um, it depends in what areas, I would say. Uh, it depends in what kind of startups. It depends. There's variables around that I really don't. I'm not 100% on. I'm working on that, okay? Okay. Well, we'll have that on a future show. It's time to get back into the water. 
Uh, ACC and Florida State. Tell us about this, Patrick. ACC and so Florida State came out last week and they kind of shot across the bow at the Atlantic Coast Conference, basically when it comes to the fact that their media rights deal, which doesn't come up until 2036, is starting to pale in comparison to their peers. More importantly, the SEC, because let's be honest, Florida State is technically an SEC country up there in Tallahassee, right? So Florida State basically said, you know, like, we're not exactly happy here for the most part. And the day after that, Clemson kind of jumped out and said, yeah, we're not happy either. Which is funny because Clemson, you know, 10 years ago is now in the position they were in right now. So this equal rights thing across, you know, for, in terms of payments across all uh, institutions, they were 100% down for. But now that Clemson's doing well, they think they're a little bit better, which I don't disagree with. But it, it, it brought up the fact that, you know, what is a, uh, insti- uh, an institution like the ACC going to do with the schools like Florida State who probably could get more money elsewhere, right. but the ACC cannot afford to lose them. And, but at the same time, the ACC cannot afford to give them any other, you know, any perks that would detriment to the other schools in the ACC because when the you know when it gets closer to 2036 and those you know the bargaining you know the collective bargaining or whatever it's called grant of rights comes up florida state's going to still look at bouncing you know because there's still going to be less and the other schools are still going to be less um the problem is that the acc buyouts 120 million dollars which i know somebody in espn or somebody said you know that's four years they'll have it paid off in four years there's other variables involved there but it doesn't really matter um but we're looking at like 30 to 40 that million dollar difference between acc school payouts and like the sec and big 10 that's huge and florida state knows that and i was listening to a podcast this morning they brought up a good point florida state has done well over the past 40 years in football athletic department's done very well but they're still not a wealthy institution right? as a whole. And a lot of that comes down to the pure fact that Florida State is historically a teacher college. And what do teachers not do? They don't exactly make money. And if you notice a lot of the institutions across the United States with good coffers, it's happened over generations. You know, you had multiple graduates who have done well over time. You build up that, you take that money, you invest, you build it up. In some of these schools like Florida State, they've not had the opportunity to do that. And they know that. They can't just, you know, Nebraska, for the most part, can fund with and without the Big Ten. You know, it's much better with the Big Ten, but the money's there regardless. You know what I mean? Big Ten money, donor money's just like gravy after that. Um, So, you know, Florida State's not happy. They know it. They're in a conference that is probably even more different than what the Big 12 is going to be. In terms of makeup of the schools, I mean, you know, for the most part, ACC is still technically a basketball conference. Um, you know, B- Big Ten, SEC, most of those schools are fairly like-minded. Even the Pac-12, for the most part, those schools are, are relatively like-minded for the most part in terms of, like, academics are kind of the first part. And, you know, and like the Big Ten, they pride themselves in the Olympic sports. ACC, I mean, you can't get more different than Boston College and Clemson. You know, you know, I mean, Jesuit school up in Boston, kind of about, you know, like it's, it's way more of an academic institution than anything. And they got Clemson who I think they've got it. I mean, like they're at, I think NCAA minimum for uh, varsity sports sponsored. 
like they've dropped some uh, and, and they make no bones that they are 100% behind football all the way. Um, you get it, you know, Syracuse basketball school, huge academic institution, wake for Come on, wake forest. Right. You know, like it's, you know, they, they wake forest is like Vanderbilt. They're lucky to be in the conference, you know? Um, so you, you're having some issues. I don't think anything's going to be done anytime soon, but I mean, I, I think the grand scheme of things is that you're going to start seeing what we had in the Big 12. And that is equal distributions going to go away. And you're going to start seeing schools, schools that bring in money, start getting more money in some of these conferences than the lesser schools. Because that's the only way they're going to be able to keep them in. You know, it may, be, it may not be fair. Luckily, Nebraska's in a conference with the Big 10 where an Ohio State gets that and is willing to... Right be happy <laughs> sec there's enough schools that bring to the pot that it's going to be equal <clears throat> but you get some of these schools in the acc i mean it's like what wake forest brings to the table pales in comparison to some of these other schools you know so what do you think those other schools you, you start getting 30 40 50 million dollars behind the SEC and the Big Ten, they're going to be like, why are we even in this conference? Something's going to have to be done. You know, I don't have the answer, but, I mean, Florida State brings up a very, very good point. Greg, you may go. Uh, yeah, thank you, sir. Uh, <laughs> we talked a little bit about conference realignment uh, and conference expansion last week. With these troubles that the ACC is, is facing, does that make it more plausible that independent but – somewhat affiliated with ACC Notre Dame could again in a world where you know money runs things we're like oh you know what we do like that 60 plus million dollars that the Big Ten's making let's go let's go test those waters I mean maybe I know I mean Notre Dame's always had the open invitation to the ACC and I think technically they actually make mo- less money than the ACC schools right now I mean it's like 10 or 15 million less, which, I mean, it, it, it's a bit, but here's the thing. The peace of mind of them being independent, I think, means more to them than that. And, you know, could they move over to the Big Ten? Maybe. It just really depends on what they're worth in the next 10, 15 years when the SEC and the, and the Big Ten start really filling their coffers. And, you know, what is what is Notre Dame's, you know, they're with, I think they're still with NBC. What's their, what's the, what are they getting out of that relationship? And is NBC willing to pay that money down the road? I think, you know, because it's Notre Dame, they still have the gravitas that like maybe two other, two, three other schools have in the United States. You know, I, I would say, you know, like the, the schools I could pull it off, Ohio State, USC, Texas tried it. Right. You know, I mean, like, I don't think Alabama could do it on their own as good no. as they are. I don't, uh, Florida is big enough. I don't think they could pull it off. Georgia is big enough. I don't think they could pull it off. You know, th- th- there's certain legacy programs that could do it. And that's it. And Notre Dame is, I mean, th- they can do it. They can still do it. But, you know, the longevity of it is going to be put to question at some point. Mm-hmm. So Okay. ACC's in trouble. I hope they stay independent, but that's just me. Okay, what's the long term? I mean, the long term of this is that uh, the Big Ten and SEC are going to basically rule every sport out there, and everybody else would be broke. 
I mean, the Pac-12 media negotiations are like, I don't you know, who is it? Apple is in on, in on that, or they're not getting any money either. Yeah, and I mean, I don't see. I wouldn't be surprised if they do like a, a tier, third tier rights or something like that with Apple. But I think at the end of the day, they will probably go to a place like ESPN. Fox already said no. CBS said no. That's Paramount, right? Um, Turner. No, I don't remember who's anymore. NBC, like all the bi- all the other big ones, have already said no to them. I think they're going to end up with some place like like an ESPN. Um, and you know, a lot of you know, USC and UCLA is really hurting them because they're gone. Um, and so it's kind of you know, what are they worth? And right now, I would say their media rights are probably worse than the Big 12s right now without Texas and Oklahoma, for the most part. Um, it just, I don't. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Big 12, you know, because you have a bunch of like-minded, relatively like-minded institutions who don't have the pull. I mean, Oregon and Washington do, and that's about it. And the thing with Oregon and Washington bouncing to another conference, like, I mean, they, they, Oregon and Washington is, is, if they bounce, they'll bounce to the Big Ten, okay? But here's the thing. Is them bouncing the Big Ten going to increase the net worth of the Big Ten, or is it going to decrease it? You know, because you're, you're cutting up that part of the pie right. with yes. schools. Do they add anything? In the grand scheme of things, I mean, it, it's it, it's a mess right now. I mean, it really is, and I feel bad for especially the Pac-12 schools because they have no place else to go. ACC, East Coast, you, there, there are options; they can figure something out. But out west, there's only so many institutions, and the two big boys just left. But Cornhusker Corner has the solution. Every school just needs a YouTube channel to live stream all the home games. Their problem solved. You know, I, okay. You know, no, no, you're right. Uh, Jewel Tillson brings up a good point. Most people don't know how to use streaming services. Okay. Everybody on here knows how to use the streaming services. Our parents might. That's a problem. You know what I mean? Like, like, like they're still. You're talking about me, really, is what you're talking before. about. I would add them that maybe 10, 20 years on you. You know, okay. like, like a lot of households who watch college, like who want to watch their team still have not cut the cable, cut the cord. And another problem is that, you know, there are so many different streaming options right now. It's getting expensive. You know, the joke is now, you know, like, you know, people spend money, you know, like, you know, spending money on a streaming service is like nothing anymore. You know, and well, we just add another seven ninety nine on our, on our, under our bills, whatever. I mean, that's kind of how people are looking at it. But that's going to have to stop at some point. You know, I mean, at, you know, Amazon's one thing because I mean, let's be honest. Most most people who have it, um, you know, however, ten bucks a month or whatever. If any anything that comes along sports wise is like free to them, you know, right? I mean, it, that's it, true. You know, it, it, it's just like an add on. But you start jumping on to like Apple Plus, you know, Apple. Um, you know, I doubt Disney or HBO gets in on the live streaming or anything like that. But like, you know, some of the, you know, Peacock, Paramount, you're overloading the system. You know, yeah, old folks still use cable. No, you're 100% right. And that's going to be a problem for the first, you know, for at least the the, the future, you know, the next 10 years. You're, you're still going to have people wanting to watch their teams. So, Yeah. That was the neat thing about the Big Ten is that they got on networks that are all over the air. 
So you can still pick them up with an antenna. I think people forget mm -hmm. that stuff, you know? Yeah. That's a huge benefit. Mm -hmm. So Doc Sadler is living in a van down by the river. Eating his uh, Wendy's chili. I don't know if you guys saw the article. What, where, where was it, Patrick? You guys. A, a few of them. The Journal Star had it. Paper down in Oklahoma had it. I mean, it's yeah. He's got a van next to the state, next to the arena down there, playing assistant coach. Guy can't quit. Forty-five years into it. Man, he's a trip. Yeah, Doc, man. I, that, I miss that guy. I yeah, really Doc Sadler's a really cool guy. You he know, is. It's, it's he's awesome. I love that guy. And I, you know, I imagine. I mean, he's probably got training table there. He's got all the. He's he has all the facilities. I looked at that article and thought. Would somebody do that for me as the years increase? <laughs> That's what they could do in Lincoln, Nebraska, is they could take the old Memorial Stadium stomping grounds and turn it into like a, you know, retirement for people that are invalid area for like me. And then just help them. Quit pissing off your kids. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Oh God! Come on, I, I I raised my kids to live in a sick, dark world. They're going to turn around and, and go. No, we'll take care of mom. You, <laughs> you always talked about going out to San Diego and living in the park. It's about time you lived up to your side of the bargain, Dad. Get a boat slip in San Diego. Get a little dinghy. Live off that to rest your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, Greg, do we have anything else? I don't believe so, John. Is there the, anything uh, else going on in the world? I don't believe so, John. Oh, okay. We're still in the middle of winter. There's not a lot going on right now. I just want to take this opportunity to uh, express my gratitude mm. for Patrick stepping in tonight uh, and holding down the fort until I was able to get here and then when i got here i didn't have a whole lot to say so it's been great are we going to start movie reviews sometime <laughs> oh sure i saw uh last friday i saw ant-man and wasp quantumania i don't like know if it? that's the kind of movie it was fine it was fine it was fine i feel like that's how a lot of marvel movies have just become they're they're fine they are they have lost a step Dare I say? You know what? They're they're all like, oh, here's a new introducing and the next villain hero guy. We can't kill him, kind of thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah we're introducing more characters. Nah, I don't know. Yeah. Oscar preview next week. Aaron Rastafosky says. Rastafsky. Rastafosky. Wait, isn't he one of ours? Yeah, you know he is. <laughs> What? It's a hard name to pronounce. Look at that thing. How the hell did he ever get around with that? As a kid, I bet he was abused a lot. Anyway, uh, Oscar preview next week. You'd have to look at Oscar movies. I don't even know what they are. Other than, other than that, uh, what is that one? Uh, the Banshee's uh, Shining. Really good film. I, what? You know... Yeah, it's good. What is it called? Colin Farrell and what's his name? It's it's good. I'm undecided on that. I thought it was very slow. It's a very, very good story. The acting is exceptional. 
and the 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 writing is exceptional. I mean, you, you literally have to see that. You watch that whole movie for that just one scene where he goes, well, there goes that dream. <laughs> and it, it, that guy should win an Oscar for that role. I'll give you that. That guy well, should. The kid? Yeah. So that, we, that, asked, that, we asked the sister out. Yeah, that, yeah. He was really good. Yeah. He really did a good job. With all the mannerisms and all the stuff that went into yeah. that. One of the Speak, best acting jobs. Speaking of streaming services, if you have no idea what they're talking about, The Banshees of Inishirin is available on HBO Max. Yeah. I so, think that's where we watched it. Okay. Well, I, I didn't know about it, so I've primarily been using HBO Max the last few weeks for Sesame Street for the Twins. Yeah. Um, so I need to flip over guys, to the not child uh, profile. I will. If you guys HBO Max sports related, I'll bring us back to sports. Um, if you guys are a fan of Bomani Jones, check out his show on that, on it. Really, it, he's good. He was with oh. us for a short time. Bomani oh. Jones, yeah, mm-hmm. before ESPN. Not not us, not not, not coordination, but I'm like, how, how the hell did we get Bomani Jones? I think he was he, he was, was just a real, what? He was with S Nation. Yeah, very witty. intelligent, very witty. Oh, um, intelligent. That's why I love his show. Yeah, watch it seriously. If you if you are fans of Bomani Jones, check out. He's got a sports okay. show. Um, he is so good. Yeah, I've been a longtime fan of his. He's a good writer. He, his podcast has been great. Um, but yeah, check out. Went, there was Nation. a short time I think where SB Nation was doing like, vi- were they doing videos? They were doing like shows with video, if okay. I remember right. Bomani Jones was part of that. They were probably five years ahead of their time, and then they, I think they just, you know, now we just kind of are, are not really doing a lot of stuff. I guess I don't know. We we probably really shouldn't talk too much about that. <laughs> we probably shouldn't. Fox Media, we're 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 minding our p's and q's. <laughs> see, see here, here. Uh, Joel Tilson says onside kick for best picture. Is there a movie called Onside Kick, or is that that move from the Northwestern game? <laughs> it, I don't know what the movies are. It's it's the the play. <laughs> because Roger Moore also said the uh, the Murdoch trial for best picture. Okay, right. so well. they're just pulling things from the headlines now. So that's how we know it's time to go, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> or or at least based on the comment uh, section tonight, gentlemen uh, and gentlemen. So uh, again, a big thank you to Patrick for uh, joining us this week and, and sharing his knowledge about the ACC, about Nebraska ball. Uh, and and all things in between uh, the, the stadium uh, relations and and uh, it's just good good to catch up. Next time you're on, Patrick, we'll we'll go way off script and we'll talk about Letterkenny. Oh yeah, we will. And uh, Shorzy. And Shorzy, which is Roger Moore says. Roger Moore says a day in the life of a golf simulator, best documentary. Is that an actual thing? I think there's a hidden meaning behind that. I'm just going to leave it alone. Okay. So for 
Patrick Earhart and John Dam Johnston, our founder of Fearless Leader. I'm Greg Mahochko. This is the Five Heart Podcast, where we remind you each and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you John? Go Big Red. Patrick. Dan Falter lives. And good night. What? Are you going to leave that on an open-ended question? Are you going to hit the end stream room? What the hell are you doing?